So, welcome to another edition of the Thought Police with me, Mike Graham, and you, Matt Kelly, the editor of the New European. Now, um, it's not very often, uh, although it will be very soon, that I can say to you, the first thing we've got to talk about is Liverpool Football Club, because of course the season has now begun, officially, with the first... um, Domestic uh, trophy of the season, although yeah. lots of people say that's not domestic. It's a bit trophy. of a, it's a Mickey Mouse cup. It's a Mickey wins. Mouse cup unless you win it. It's like the press awards, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Remember, and it's like Ray Giles in radio. Yeah. You know, if you get yeah. bad Ray Giles, it's a ridiculous system. It's not worth measuring. It's hopeless the way it works. You know, same with the press awards, rubbish. And when you win it, newspaper of the year, it's fantastic. It was a good game, though, wasn't it? Well, do you know, I didn't watch it because I, I, I was, I was hoping. Because I don't have Sky, right? I don't. I refuse to pay for. Do you the, not? No, I refuse to pay for Sky Football. Because it's too much money, right? How much is it? I do pay well, for it. We used to have Sky without the sport, and it was yeah. about 50 quid a month. Right. Right. And she, who uh, must be obeyed indoors, yeah. said, I, you know, I think this is ridiculous because we yeah. hardly ever, because you go through it every night and you kind of go, yeah, yeah no, you know, it's not really yeah. that much to watch. Ice hockey from So she'll year. occasionally go, if she wants to do it, she'll get a now, now TV thing for a okay. month or something. You can get a pass. And you, you get a pass for a month right. and you watch all the stuff that you want to watch on Sky. So could you do that for the Ashes, for instance? Oh, you can't do it for Sky. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I mean, you can buy the occasional game, I think. Right. You know, if you really want to see it. But the Community Shield. I'm not going to buy the no. game. It was a good game then, let me no. tell you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I followed it on Twitter, basically, and I mm. followed it, because I'm now one of those people, I can because I'm quite often doing other stuff, yeah. rather than just having the TV on, I can quite happily just have my um, you know, my, my Twitter on, I can have BBC Sports uh, app on, and I can track games that way. Yeah. I don't, you know, and they've even got video. They call it partial attention they syndrome. They call it, well, I think that's what I suffer yeah. from. Yeah. It's definitely... But well, most kids have that, apparently. Yeah. And apparently most people our age yeah. don't have it. Right. And we can, you know, you can't... You can't watch TV and have some yeah. music going See, on at I the can. same time. But like I my can. kids are like you, they'll do four or five things at yeah, the same time. Yeah, exactly. And also, let's face it. I mean, it was one. It was one nil for the first half, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. And then until about the seventy-seventh. Until about the seventy-seventh minute. So when I got home last night to London, I thought I could watch it on Match of the Day. Um, but then I thought, do you know what? I can't be bothered. Yeah. Well, I, it was it was good because it, I mean, it was that cliche about a game of two halves. Yeah. Manchester City, Liverpool looked terrible in the first half. Everyone I talked to today yeah. said that they they were very unlucky. It was I was feeling very very kind of despondent yeah. at the end of the first half. I thought you, did oh, you didn't go right? Got, no, I didn't go. Right. I thought if they'd gone backwards, but the second half they came out yeah. all guns blazing. Mm. I don't know what Klopp said to them, but right. they came out all guns blazing, and they were unlucky. You know, I think they, I think Salah hit the woodwork twice yeah. at least. You yeah, know, and, uh, and, this and there was the most which... extraordinary clearance you've right. ever seen from Carl Walker. Right. I mean, honestly, you've got to look at it on yeah. YouTube where. Salah's headed the ball from a blocked uh, shot and the ball's gone up and Salah's headed it from about eight yards right. towards the goal yeah. and Kyle Walker sprints to the goal line right. and does a bicycle kick and the ball is what, on it? the goal oh, line really? and kicks it out of the goal. Wow. Team. It's amazing. That piece does of, sound amazing. It is an amazing piece of athleticism. That does sound amazing. Yeah. But of course, this is the point at which if you're really into it uh, or if you work for Talk Sport, you would say... Uh, well, of course, everybody knows that the winner of the uh, Community Shield never goes on to win the Premier League. But I don't know what the stats are. Well, so we'll have to sure try and Liverpool get somebody to. That, that well, out. I mean, I'm sure that might well be the case. But I mean, I mean, the, t- the tragedy for me was the thing that I then saw because a couple of friends of mine from work went because um, they got tickets and there was fighting on the tube and was stuff. It? Yeah, oh, quite a big punch up on God. the tube. 
And it's there's a there's a video bit really? of it going around on Twitter. And you just think, what is wrong with you idiots? You know, it's like just going back. a load of idiots just punching each other relentlessly, and mm. then some of them falling off, and some of them getting back on and punching some more and doing all this. Come on, come on! And yeah, what's wrong with you? Madness. Do you remember it in the sort of late seventies? Well, the seventies. That was when I well, I stopped. My dad stopped taking us. Yeah. I mean, we used to go to the cop all the time. Yeah, you go to Anfield, yeah. where it wasn't bad actually at all. But where it was bad was when we would go to matches in London. Yeah. Um, and it would be like walking. I mean, this is why when I said to you the first time I came here, I remember walking up that narrow one-person walk at Arsenal Tube. And I remember walking to White Hart Lane with, you know, when I was supporting Manchester United, Tottenham fans on one side of the road and Man United fans on the other side of the yeah. road and police horses in between. Amazing. And it was terrifying. I remember um, uh, several several incidents around Anfield of just pitch battles. Yeah. But... You know, it was when you went to, funnily enough, it was Manchester City was never a problem mm. for Liverpool fans. Right. Uh, Man United was a massive problem. Yeah. And although I never, I was too young to go when it, the peak of the, yeah, the peak of it, yeah. But the, you, you got these stories about the train coming back from Manchester to Liverpool, yeah. the police coming through the carriages. Do you remember the old trains where you could yeah. lower blinds down? Yeah. And I said, right, lads, put the blinds down. Yeah. And then five minutes later, stuff would start coming through at the windows. Oh, really? Pelting rocks and stuff like this. Blimey. Yeah. So it's it amazing, full, isn't it? It's full on, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, there are people who say now that, for example, whenever, do you remember when Everton went to play Millwall last yeah. year? Yeah. And there was pitch battles in the street mm. because they was, this never stopped in the Championship. But Millwall you know. especially have yeah. got that rep, haven't they? They have. Rod Little's Club. Rod Little's Club, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Funnily enough, I was going to mention him to you because we were thinking about trying to go and talk because he told me because it was on my radio show that he's joined the Social Democratic Party he has yeah and I don't really know anything about them mm. so we're going to get them on and sort of say well what are you about you know have you got anything to do with the old Social Democrats well they have they've got the same logo yeah are they so they're the same organisation and it's well, the Gang got, of Four they've got the same badge as the original SDP because I remember the Gang of Four yeah, that Shirley was quite Williams a big deal they were quite logo. successful yeah I asked Shirley Williams a question in the what was it, it must have been the 1980 something by election oh yeah and she came to our school yeah. as part of the campaign. Right. She was running for the Crosby seat. Yeah. And I, I got to ask her a question, and I can't, I can't remember what the question was, <laughs> nor the answer. Right. It, was, it, was, it was the beginning of my journalistic career. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, that's quite a good claim to fame, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I once had to go and uh, doorstep Hillary Clinton for um, Eve Pollard. And Eve Pollard was the editor of the Sunday Express. Yeah. I was in America. And she was very nice to Eve, you know, loved, if she liked you. And she liked me. Yes. And so she'd ring up and say, oh, hello, darling. How are you? Um, yeah, great. You know, I, we need to talk to Hillary Clinton. I'm like, okay, then. Um, what do you want to do? Do you want me to set up an interview for you? No, no, darling. I want you to do it for me. You, you should do it. I said, okay. And she said, I want it uh, this week. I said, okay, then. And it was about Tuesday or something like that. You know, so, of course, I put all the calls into the various people. They didn't give a shit. Yeah. You're like, where, where are you from? Yeah. I'm like, I'm from London, Sunday Express. You know, huh? <laughs> you know, they could not the have world's given, greatest newspaper. Could not have cared yeah, less, you know. And so I'd have to, I'd have to go back to her, on, and she said, "How's it?" And she'd ring me back like about four hours. I'd "How's it going? Have you done it yet?" Like, well, no, I haven't done it yet. No, she's actually on the road at the moment. You know, she's kind of campaigning for Bill. This was before he won the first time. Right. So this would have been like nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Yeah. And she was doing all the, you know, you get two for the price of one with me. You know, yeah. do you want me to stay home baking cookies? Did, as did Bill. Yeah. Well, indeed. Yeah. More than two, actually. <laughs> at least two for the price of one. And. Uh, Eventually, they just kept giving me the runaround, you know. So I had to do the old-fashioned what-you-do thing, and we didn't get it that week. And she kept ringing up and saying things like, darling, just tell her it's for me. Tell her it's for Eve Pollard. So I said, look, I've told her it's for the Sunday Express. So apparently, she doesn't give a fuck, you know. So anyway, so I had to just track her down and found out somehow that she was... And whenever I talk to, you know, young journalists now, I can never remember how I did it, but I somehow managed to figure out what her schedule was that day. 
and she was basically touring around in Philadelphia, outside of Philadelphia, in sort of, you know, so it's not far from New York. So I just got myself, rented a car, and just decided I'm just going to chase her to a place where I can finally just put a question to her, you know. <laughs> and eventually, um, she ends up in some sort of high school. I somehow managed to get myself into the room that she's lecturing to the kids, right? And they get to the point where... Um, you know, uh, they're asking questions yeah, after. Us, right? Just rewind this. No, no. You're, cha- you're stalking Hillary Clinton. Yes. And you smuggle yourself into a school I'm classroom. I'm into a classroom, yeah. How, how, how have you not been shot? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was just very good at it. And I look quite young as well, I suppose. So I'm sitting, and they're kind of, they're sort of 17 years old. They're not like that young, you know. Um, and they may even been 18. Anyway, so I'm sitting at one of these desks with a, with a, with a you know, chair in it. And I'm just sitting there, you know. And so she asked if anybody's got a question. I put my hand up. <laughs> <laughs> And sorry, so, I was nearly sorry. Tea out there. And uh, so she goes, uh, yeah. And I said, uh, oh, excuse me, uh, Mrs. Clinton. Um, I just wondered if you could tell us what you think of what Bill said about something or other. <laughs> and she went, and she just went, uh, you don't go to school here. I said, no, you're absolutely right. I don't. I don't go to school here. Hands up. I said, I'm a journalist. Uh, she said, well, you have to get out. This is not a different. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get out on the, on the, on the basis that you will speak to me. Yeah. And she agreed to speak to me. So we went, so I got chucked out. I waited outside in the corridor and she came out and I got about 15 minutes That with is absolutely Which was great, brilliant. right? That is brilliant. Which, of course, turned into a, like two spreads in the Sunday Express. Amazing. You know, 15 minutes of chat That's with fantastic. her. fantastic. And you know the only thing I remember, and he's going to sound very <laughs> sexist about her, is that she had very fat ankles and she reminded me of my ex-wife. Just as well about 90% of our listeners are male because they've well, just lost the other 10%. No, I don't think I have. Because, I mean, you're going to tell me that women aren't as, as catty as we are. Well, they're allowed women. to be, though, aren't they? Are they? Is yes. that the thing? Yes. Did you see that great video over the weekend of the uh, the woke that was the um, the socialist conference in America? No, I missed it. Um, and some guy, right, it's a fantastic piece of video, but it's been going viral. Some guy gets up and says basically that, you know, I know that we are all here for a good reason, but you know I'm suffering at the moment from uh, extrasensory, um, uh, what's it call it, a sensitivity, and so there's a lot of chatter going on, and I can't hear what what people are saying, and it's making me anxious, and so I'd like you all stop talking so I can listen. <laughs> And so they take that on board, and then there's another one puts his hand up, who then shouts at the woman who's on the, the top uh, table for using gender to reply to people. Oh my you God. know, whenever they're when, if they're men or women, they want to speak. And they're calling each other comrade. And I'm going, I used to live in America. It was never like that. Yeah, what's happened It was never like that. We should talk about the shootings, actually, shouldn't we, I suppose? Because, I mean, I always refrain from trying to come up with some reason. I mean, I put a tweet out the other night just saying, it's really sad that they can't seem to be able to stop this. Mm. Because it's nothing to do with Trump. And there will be people that say it is. People have been shooting each other there for as long as I can remember. You know, ever since they assassinated John F. Kennedy. Yeah. You know, and well, I don't you've made, understand. You've lived and worked there. You yeah. know America much, much yeah. better than I do. I look at it and I just think this is insane. It is. Why are they selling assault rifles? I know. The, there must be an argument for it that they make. What I mean, what what is the argument they make? Well, the argument they make mostly is that it's their right to it's buy in the amendment. assault it's the, rifles it's in the Constitution. because they use this line in the Constitution, which is sort of misquoted in a way because it talks about the right to bear arms. Yeah. But there are ways of interpreting it. You can interpret it as it's the right to bear arms against a foreign invader which is very different from picking up an assault rifle. And people also say that the forefathers who wrote the Constitution did not envisage what that guy in in, uh, Dayton, Ohio had, which was a a magazine with 100 rounds in it. Did he have one of these bumper stock things? He didn't, I think, because I think they have tried... They outlawed that. They they did outlaw it, although people will say it depends on, you know, whether it was enacted properly, blah, blah, blah. I mean, what has happened, Mm. and I can tell you this for a fact, because 
whenever I get, well, I used to go to Connecticut where my sister lives, I would go to Walmart, and that was of course where the accident, where the shooting happened in El Paso. In that Walmart? Not in, not in, that's not where right, I used to go. Right, right, right. I used to go, the Walmart's like the owner of Asda. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've got know, loads yeah. of them. Um, but the one in my sister's hometown used to sell guns. Mm. And, and I would go in, and I'd, I'd sort of go in there and, and walk around with the kids and sort of get a laugh at it and go, look at this, this is unbelievable. And because of the fact that, I, th- I think it was Sandy Hook, that they, they put so much pressure on that they stopped selling guns. But they still sell bullets. Yeah. So amazing. I was in there the other day, the last time I was over, and I think I tweeted out some pictures, and I got attacked by all these gun nuts saying, you know, what are you saying, we can't have the right to... And I'm like, why are you selling bullets in a supermarket? It's What's fucking wrong with you? Do you remember Charlton Heston? He was like the yes. president of the NRA. Well, I remember Michael um, Michael Moore going to his house. Well, it was after the Columbia film. thing. Bowling, bowling for Columbine. Columbine, yeah. that's right. After the Columbine massacre, when these two kids w- went in in these sort of long yes. black coats yeah. and, and killed loads of people, yeah. and Charlton Heston came out and said, it's not the guns you need to ban, it's the long coats that they were able to hide them in. Yeah. You know, th- this mentality is just... Unbelievable. And Piers Morgan went over and did this. He took over from um, Larry King. Larry King, yeah. And Piers made this his thing, didn't right. he? But I think he probably... Well, you could was... argue that Piers' CNN show it inevitably failed at the end. And yeah. I'm not saying it failed you know, miserably, but that he was not adopted or he was disliked by a lot of Americans yeah. because he took this stance against guns. But he put it on the radar in a, yeah. in a very vigorous way, which is... Yeah, like, you know, well, I mean, after this most recent one, you know, the New York Post of all, of all newspapers, which is Murdoch-owned, um, had a front page that said, you know, we need to start banning guns. Yeah. So, but, but it's been a very slow coming. But I remember watching Piers do that show and, it, you know, he had the same reaction we would do. Where yeah. He was just kind of like slack-jawed and, you know, what is going on in America? Yeah, right. And, and, but that's what didn't translate a thing. And I've spoken to American friends of mine who yeah. say, well, you just don't get it. It's right. not, you know, it's like free speech is right. over there. You know, and it's also, I mean, I've been read, you read through all the various tweets and people say, you know, 34 people died in these two shootings, right? They then list all of the other people who died in the same 24-hour period. But that's such bullshit. In, you know, car crashes, yeah, this is this you know, medical, uh, uh, yeah. medical problems, all of that. Yeah. And, you know, I can't stand it when people do that, because that just, for me, is not comparable. Well, well, there was this guy, I can't remember his name now, the, uh, um, oh, it'll come to me, but, and he's a science astrophysicist. He's, this is the guy whose tweet yeah. I saw, yeah, he's and an he astrophysicist, tweeted, he's got you know, about 13 million followers He's got 13 million followers, That's the guy, and, yeah. and he tweeted out saying, you know, sometimes when these things happen, we all get, everything yeah. gets blown out of perspective. Yeah. In the same period of time, you know, 50 people have died mm. from medical malpractice. Yeah, that's exactly right. And everyone's gone, oh my God, you're yeah. absolutely right. And the bleeding heart liberal yeah. left won't let you say this. Right. But it's not, it's just this thing about yeah, I love it how they say, they won't let you say it after you've already yeah, said after it. After you've said it to so, your 30 yes, million people. it's already been said. That you're deprived right. of a platform. Yeah, yeah. But the idea, you know, if, if, what, if there was 50 people all dying of medical malpractice yeah. in the same place on one day yeah. at the hands of the same doctor. Right. I'm sure there'd be an equivalent right. reaction. Or if a doctor was you know. going in and shooting them all uh, yeah. instead of actually just letting them die because he made a mistake. It's the same yeah. argument they make about how, uh, you know, for a period of time in the 80s, it seemed, when flying was actually becoming quite dangerous, there was crashes all the time. Yeah. And people would go, yeah, yeah, but that's fine, though, because there's loads more car crashes than there are it's plane still crashes. still the safest way to travel. Well, that's Not because there's a lot more fucking sky. cars, right? <laughs> and also, when you're driving a car, you're generally speaking in control yeah. of it. You know, if you're yeah. in a plane and there's a pilot who's got a, you know, a, yeah. a, an engine that's failed yeah. or the pilot's gone crazy and decided to crash into a mountain, yeah. you know, I don't really want to get on the plane. I loved uh, Muhammad Ali on that. He had this quote, it was just before the rumble in the jungle, he yeah. hated flying, he was phobic about flying, mm. 
And they, someone said to him, you know, why do you hate, why do you take the bus everywhere? Right. You know, um, it takes days and days. Why are you taking the bus? And Ali said, well, the thing about the bus is when the engine breaks, it don't fall 30,000 feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very true. That's why a lot of people are scared of helicopters. Because, I mean, even in a plane, at least you've got some chance I'm of terrified blinding. of it. I've mentioned this before. Yeah. But this helicopter, I will not get in one. Have you not? Have you never been in one? I have been. Uh, yeah. I have been in one. Uh, They're not safe. But I just, I look at them. I'll tell no you way. what I wouldn't fancy doing is flying in the dark in one. Because mm. whenever you see these accidents that happen, yeah. it's because the visibility is bad or yeah. it's been raining or it's cloudy or something like that. And you just think... I'll tell you what I would like to do yeah. is, is what that French fella did across the channel. Oh, yeah. The other day on yeah. his hoverboard. Yeah, that's just about it's third attempt or something, right? Well, I think his second attempt. I think the problem is he's got to refuel right. halfway. And so um, it's not like Back to the Future where you get over water and it just stops. No. You no, know, like, uh, <laughs> like Michael J. Fox. Yeah. He flew over in about 50, yeah. 20 minutes. Well, this is the thing. landed in a garden in, well, in St. Yeah. Margaret's Bay. Well, these are the things that, that we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. You remember when I watched Tomorrow's World in the 70s? Yeah. This was me- with we were meant to have jetpacks. There was a guy who invented a jetpack somewhere in um, New Zealand, I think. Well, and yeah. you can buy it for right. something like 17 grand. Well, the guy came in the LA Olympics on a jetpack. That's right, he did. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. But that was something special. This yeah. is something you can actually buy. So you can actually buy a jetpack. Yeah, you can buy it, but it's only got a range of something like 10 miles. Yeah. Um, but again, you're kind of going, yeah, well, you say that it works fine, but I haven't seen too many of them, so I don't want to be the guy that's going to go <laughs> straight into the side of a building, you know. But no, I mean, no, the American thing is so weird. I mean, George Carlin used to do a really great um, uh, routine about it where he was talking, there was a case of a kid in Chicago um, who was shot dead by the cops, and it turned out it was one of these situations on the south side of Chicago, which is very poor, and he had pulled a gun on the cops, and it turned out it was a fake gun, but they didn't know it was a fake gun, so they shot him dead, yeah. you know, like you would. Yeah. And uh, so Carly goes, so, what do you think they decided to do in Chicago? He said, they decided to ban the fake guns <laughs> and keep the real ones, which is what they did. They made fake guns illegal, <sighs> so you couldn't sell a fake gun, but they kept the fucking what real ones. What kind of twisted logic And you go, that? you just kind of go, what? Yeah. What'd you do that it's for? It's mad. I know. Absolutely amazing. Talking of Muhammad Ali, actually, is a funny story that Mickey Brennan used to tell about Ali because he was quite close. He took some great pictures yeah. of Muhammad Ali. This is our friend, the photographer, who I've talked about before. And he had a brother. Uh, famously, Mickey's a very working-class kid from Croydon. And he had a brother, a big Crystal Palace fan, who was a milkman, right? And he had a, quite an attractive wife. And he came to see Mickey in New York, never been abroad before. He's like, yeah, I think I'll come and see you in America, right? How's that going to go? And apparently um, he nearly got stopped at uh, customs because he got shirty with the uh, American immigration people, did the old, you know. We didn't ask my dad where he was coming from when he came to help you win the war and all this, you know. And he nearly got locked up. So anyway, so Mickey and he got into a fight sort of in the car park of the, of the JFK terminal. Yeah. Brennan gets a black eye. Yeah. They all go up to the Poconos to visit Ali's training camp because he was training for something. It might have been Rumble in the Jungle, I don't yeah. know what. And, uh, and apparently Ali used to love this kind of like Winnebago-style sort of film-style trailer yeah. where he would lo- languish and, and get up to all sorts of stuff with all sorts of women. Um, and he comes out of the trailer, takes one look at Brennan, and he used to call him Limey. He goes, you've been fighting, Limey? <laughs> Brennan goes, yeah, yeah, with him. And he, goes, and he looks at him again, and he says, you're not too good at it, are you? <laughs> and then he said, who's this? And he introduced him to his brother and his wife. And he takes one look at the wife, grabs her by the arm, takes her into the caravan and shuts the door. You're joking. And doesn't come out. 
for like half an hour. Oh my god! And the brothers outside going, "What's yeah, he fucking yeah, doing? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to fucking have him." And Mickey's yeah, going, yeah. "He's the world heavyweight champion of the world, mate. You better shut the fuck up. Sit <laughs> down over there." And she came out looking, as Mickey described, slightly flustered um, uh, after half an hour. Glowing, with him, yeah, and glowing and looking and very giggly. <laughs> And the brother was was literally fucking incandescent with rage, but Muhammad Ali was Muhammad Ali. Didn't care. He'd just been cuckolded. Yeah, the same exactly. I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah, so so the whole kind of um, American gun thing is, mm. is bizarre, and, and I mean, people are already blaming Trump mm. for the for the kind of rhetoric that's created the white supremacists. But, but the other guy yeah. was a satanist. No, he was. Yeah, he was a nutcase. So what do you? I mean, well, they all are well, in the, the end. So aren't here's they? the thing about that I felt about Trump is. He came out, what he did come out and say, he said, that we've got a mental illness problem mm. with these two people. Yeah. And I don't think he's wrong about that, do you? Well, no, well, I don't. But if that's the case, can if this guy is mentally ill mm. and deranged, now, in the UK, that's a defence. And he yeah. would be sent to a psychiatric hospital right. uh, rather than being sent to a prison. Yes. And... If, if he's right, if Trump's right, then, you know, they're looking for the, ex- for the death penalty yeah. on this guy. Well, maybe Trump has inadvertently given him a great line well, for defence. no matter how popular the president ever becomes, though, they will never be used as a, a medical scientist <laughs> or an expert in <laughs> mental Trump's, health. But hang on, really? Trump's, Trump's got a doctorate in, in gynaecology. He has, absolutely <laughs> right, I'm sure he has. Yeah, he can do whatever he likes he to he when you're famous. Yeah, 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 he can. But that's the other thing, right? I covered the um, Jeffrey Dahmer case, who was a cannibal, oh, God, right? amazing. And he was ruled sane. Right, to stand Trump. This is a guy who was eating people, right? And because it's interesting, because the whole fucking definition of whether or not you are capable of committing a crime and knowing right from wrong is very different in America to what it is here. Because here, an awful lot of the time, if you've done something which is so heinous that you basically could not have been doing it if you were thinking right. They immediately say that you're unfit for trial. Yeah. They stick you in Broadmoor or something, right? Yeah. But there, they actually they take evidence. They say that you know they said that he knew precisely what he was doing. This is a guy, right? And I'm sorry to go into the grisly details here, but the reason he got caught was entirely by accident, right? Because only weeks before he got caught, um, he was found on the street chasing a naked man who was from I think he used to pick up guys in various gay bars and also guys that were Im- immigrants because they didn't have any family. And this guy, I just remember this guy was, I think he was from Thailand. His, his name was Sintha Samphone or something like that. Right. And he was running down the street with a fucking drill, a hole drilled in his head. Oh right? Because that was his thing. What he used to do is he used to drill into the side of their head and, and pour, like, chemicals into, the, into their brain. What, while they were still alive? While they were still alive, because it made them inanimate. Because Jeez. he actually liked having sex. He was called a paraphiliac, But why, right? why did they let him drill a hole in their head? Well, because he got them drugged or he right. got them drunk. He didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. And while they were kind of half awake and half asleep, he would yeah. do this to them, which would mean that they were still alive, yeah. but he could basically have sex with them Jesus. while they were kind of in, almost unconscious, but yeah. still alive, you know. Yeah. Anyway, the fucking cops pulled over, stopped this guy who's naked in the street um, in Milwaukee, and uh, don't notice that he's got a, a hole drilled in his head. Dharma comes along <laughs> behind and goes, that's all right, he's with me. And they go, oh, okay, then off you go. You don't let him out again. And he, has, he takes him back in and he killed him. You're kidding. Because after he'd had sex with them, then he killed them. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's unbelievable. And he was ruled to be sane on the basis that he knew precisely what he was doing at every step that he did it. It was weird, that story, wasn't it? Because it, was, really it became like a celebrity thing, didn't yeah. it? It became like a soap opera. Yeah. And 
you know, this sort of evil of the crime was forgotten in this sort of fascination mm. for, you know, the unbelievable nature well, of Well, the it. strangest thing about him was that, I mean, and we, I mean, it was the typical kind of Fleet Street thing because, of course, Fleet Street flocked to this, right? Yeah. And I was covering it for two or three papers and they had to have an overflow press room because there wasn't enough room in the courtroom and they had to put bulletproof glass up because all the, most of his, um, uh, his victims were black, yeah. poor black kids, right? So all the relatives were ready to fucking shoot the guy. Yeah. So they put bulletproof glass up. He came from quite a kind of um, middle-class background, and his parents were there, right? And I remember, just you'll get this, people listening to this might think oh, it's a really horrible story, but my, I was with a guy called Jim Gallagher, who you might remember, yeah. um, and he was covering it for, I can't remember who. And we, was, we, we, we couldn't stop laughing, because it was so ridiculous, the whole situation. And we were in this overflow room where it was being pumped in on sort of CCTV, and um, his parents turned up, and he had a brother. Dharma's parents. Dharma's parents were there, who looked very ordinary, kind of, could have been your parents, my parents, yep. you know, well-to-do. And he had another brother who was a doctor, you know? And we were in that kind of slight state of euphoria you get into when you're covering a really big story. Yeah. And we were going, can you imagine the parents, you know, yeah, well, we've got this one son, we're really proud of him, he's a doctor. But this other son, he's, we're not so proud of him, he's a cannibal, you know? Yeah. And yeah. we just burst out Amazing. laughing. And people were, and all these American journalists were like, yeah. you guys need to start laughing, you know, this is serious. Yeah. It's a serious story. And we're like, yeah, we know it's a serious story, but, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. It's sort of pantomime, murder. It's so weird. And, it, he was, you get... and he was, you know, literally, I mean, if you'd said, if you'd made the story up that he, was, he had human hamburgers in the fridge and fingers and stuff, it was all true. Yeah. That was what he had. I remember the very first case I ever covered as a journalist was like with work experience at the Liverpool Echo. Yeah. A fellow called John Thompson took me along to a, a trial right. from a guy who'd been christened the Beast of Birkenhead because mm. he had raped this uh, this poor woman and yeah. murdered her right. uh, in horrific uh, circumstances yeah. and was convicted on his uh, dental impressions oh, matching... Well, because he'd bitten her and all Bitten that. chunks yeah. out of it. Honestly, horrible. Jeez, horrible. there are some horrible people Horrible. Out and by the way, this guy probably now, this is going back, what, 30 years? Mm. He's probably out and about somewhere now. Yeah. Know, working behind a butcher's kitchen yeah. or something. Yeah, and like you know, you can obviously rehabilitate mm. people like that. But his brother used to come, every time there was a break, his brother would come and speak to John and myself and, and sort of plead innocence on behalf of his brother. Right. You know, and they were completely immune to any form of evidence. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, it was. It always struck me as weird that you know what must it be like mm. to be the brother yeah. of somebody who's done that something that's horrific. Yeah, because you know? you've got the same DNA. You yeah, know? You, is, do, you, do you start wondering is it in me as mm. well? You know. Well, you do. I mean, you wonder as well about the way that these people who become like that. Yeah. I mean, whether whether there are signs, you know, even I mean, I'm not saying that you look for them in your own kids, but you when you sort of do occasionally. I mean, yeah. you want, if your child suddenly started being really cruel to animals or something, yeah. but that's how it starts. Yeah. You know, they start pulling the wings off flies or they start kind of experimenting with hamsters and mice yeah. and yeah. suddenly they you find they're killing it. It's very weird. I mean, Just he started off Dharma started off because I got quite into it and I got quite friendly with the guy in the behavioral sciences unit of the FBI which is the, the whole Hannibal Lecter you know, yeah, lot. Yeah. And, you know, they study all these guys, and he said that this, this paraphilia thing is something that he got into at a very early age because he got sexually aroused by mannequins, effectively. God, and he used to go to hotels with a mannequin, not even a sex doll, but like yeah, a mannequin like a in a suitcase. Mannequin yeah. yeah, and he would, start, he would have sex with it Jesus in a hotel room, Christ. and then he'd put it back in the suitcase and take it away. And so what he was trying to do was recreate 
that kind of uh, yeah. effect of having like a real live person yeah. who was like a mannequin. Bloody scary stuff. I mean, where'd you come up with this shit? Yeah, and you don't know it until they get found out. Well, I will say to the about people who have, I mean, even the slightly less serious cases of people who have weird fetishes, you go, well, how would you know that that was something that you wanted to do? Yeah. Even. Yeah, when do you find yeah, out? When do you find out At that what you, point did you, you have enjoyed that proximity to yeah, a mannequin? And I know. That something was stirring. Isn't it weird? <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk about the government, shall we? Uh, because, we um, well, I think your lot are on the back foot now. I'll tell you why. Who's my lot? Your lot, you know, the, the Remainers. Remainers. Yeah, yeah, the Remainers, right? Because it's all looking a bit panic-stricken. Dominic Cummings looks as if he's yeah. playing a blinder here. Well, he's, right? uh, he's talking. He's to told him. everyone that, you know, it's basically you can yeah. forget it. Yeah. You know, you waited too long. We're going to go on the 31st no matter what you do. And if yeah. you call a vote of no confidence, we'll go on the 31st and then have an election. Yeah. Which I think is a pretty smart thing to say. Well, I mean, the, the thing, him coming out, I must be honest, him coming out and saying it is now too late to stop no deal, yeah. whatever happens, yeah. I found you know immediately chilling. Yeah. However, subsequently I've spoken to several people and there are numerous ways that this still could be stopped. Yeah. For instance, if there was a vote of no confidence in the yeah. government, that would be what they call amendable and they could tack on. If John Burko, who is the Speaker of the House yeah. of Commons and is a massive Remainer, yeah. If he allowed so you're admitting be... that now. Well, he is. You're admitting he? that he's I... no longer the uh, the cool voice of the calmness of the centre. I, well, I, I, my suspicion is that oh. he has remained sensible. Oh. Let's, well, let's, let's I don't down... think there's any suspicion about let's it. Downgrade no, it what I'm that. saying is that if you're now basically <laughs> lining up John Burko as the man who's going to save the union because yeah. he's so uh, much of a pro-European. Because he's pro-democrat. No, That's because what? he's pro- he's anti-democrat because he's, he's going against the vote. The he vote wants, said... We live in a parliamentary democracy, Michael, as I keep telling you, yes. and he wants parliament to be sovereign. Yes, and but there are two parliaments here. on about sovereignty. There are two and parliaments you're saying here. That the, the sovereign institution cannot be sovereign. Well, it can be, <clears> but there are several different ways of being sovereign, right? What, by just... Complying to an executive. Uh, well, yeah, you can do that, or you can just take a referendum and decide that you will say if the referendum result goes one way or the other, we yeah. will abide by it, yeah. uh, and then you can just throw that out the window and pretend you never said it. Yeah. That's what's going on here. Well, the Remainer Parliament yeah. uh, is what is stopping us from leaving the European Union, not the European Union. Yeah. You know, the Remainer Parliament. I, I agree. Simple with that. as that. I agree. And Burko has already, by the way, has he not turned away from some of the things that could have been more damaging to Boris Johnson. And he hasn't voted or hasn't allowed certain votes to That's take right. place yeah. already because the Lib Dems put one down, didn't they? They did. Um, the Lib Dems, well, by the way, put one down to say. Well, no, they wanted a vote of no confidence in, uh, in yeah. Boris Johnson and he immediately. Have, he wouldn't wash that. And he wouldn't wash it. And then, and also, even Corbyn didn't back it. But it was a, that was a stupid move because for it, it to was. get through, Corbyn would have to back it. And if they're not, you're just going to look like a. And also, it was even mm-hmm. not as stupid though as Joe Swinson coming out and saying, oh, yeah, if there's a second referendum and, it's, and the result is leave, we won't honour it. That's what she said. See, so this is where I... That's an idiotic thing to say. So, for the record, if there was a second referendum and we voted to leave, I would stand by that and say, okay... It's very good of you. You can't have... Thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) But my my argument being that now everybody does know what they're voting for. No doubt about that. So if you went in open-eyed and you voted to leave, and, you know, who knows? Well, the thing is, you can't make the argument, can you, that, you know, we didn't know what we were doing last time, but now we do, so we must have a second referendum. And then you can't say after that, still don't like it, all all the lies, you know, all the rest of it. I would still keep campaigning and and shouting the the virtues of European Union. But But I think your voices would become less and less listened to. Yes. Because in the end, if if it didn't all go horribly wrong, 
and actually life continued and you know the school meals didn't yeah, stop yeah. and the food didn't yeah. uh, uh, waste away as it was waiting on the the, 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 the quayside of Calais yeah. and you know the sun did continue to shine and everybody still stayed here that was here from before you know we'd all go they'd just shut up yeah, sit down. No, they would, and that's you the know. risk that people like me take. Is, yeah, is but it feels stupid, like. You know? Does it not though? Well, you don't mind looking stupid, or you look stupid. Loads <laughs> of times. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, nobody's really, um, I would say, now convinced as they were once that Theresa May was just fudging it. That we now have a proper organised, uh, you know, uh, Downing Street team yeah. led by uh, Cummings with Boris there, all yeah. the other you know cabinet members being levers. You know, telling all the special advisors to go and see the civil service and make sure they're not pissing about with anything. You know, it's going to sound down clock. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. So I mean, these guys are serious. Oh, they're not messing about. They're, they're having a digital countdown. They're doing clock. a little. They're doing a little praying it every so day. So, do you, know? you think? Do you think as things stand, are you? Uh, what's your confidence level on us leaving in one shape or another on October the 31st? I think we definitely. I'd, I'd what, say 100%? ninety. I'd say ninety-five percent. So now. where's the other five percent? What's giving you cause for doubt? The five percent is the bit that we don't know about, which is what you're describing, which is what people who are really against it will yeah. try and do to stop it, and whether they are going to succeed in that. Yeah. I mean, I think the the the, the mission as it is by Downing Street is a hundred percent. Yeah. But you can't be absolutely sure that somebody won't find some smidgen of the law. Or won't do something to just delay it. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's inevitable now, though, that whatever happens, we will definitely leave. So, so my confidence levels have gone from being really confident that it couldn't happen, yeah. won't happen, right. will not happen. Yeah. And now it's about 50 50 with okay. me now. So and I that's quite so, a big move, isn't it's it? It's a big move. And I would say most of that, uh, and most of my move as well, um, is. Purely and simply based on the fact that Theresa May is no longer in charge. Yeah. And the team that is in charge are much more determined. And also, you know what's interesting for me is that the arguments about, you know, all leavers are all a bit thick and a bit, you know, they might be a bit racist and all that. That's all gone because they've got some very clever people in Downing Street who are making this work. And that's why you can't now make the argument that it's just, you know, people... I mean, I wouldn't say people like Nigel Farage. I think Farage is a pretty intelligent guy. But you know how people are saying, have said in the past, yeah, but look at who's in, look who's running this. Yeah. Now, if you do actually look who's running, I mean, Cummings is a smart cookie. Mm. Boris is a very smart guy. You know, Dominic Raab's a lawyer. You know, these are not stupid people. Well, I would, I would question on Dominic Raab. I think he is a bit thick. Uh, well, lawyers can be thick, yeah. but I don't think he is. I think he's just not that good at well, demonstrating. This guy who didn't know that Calais and Dover were well, important. Well, you see... That's a bit like saying when Femi came into my, my studio, I didn't know what the single market was because yeah. he went, do you know what the single market is? And I went, yeah. well, why don't you tell me, Femi? Yeah. No, but he didn't, well, you didn't volunteer. Well, no. Stand up and tell the world, oh, I, did, I didn't realise that Dover was quite important to our Well, I think, again, like all these things, you'd have to go back to the original context and see whether he the actually really was a said... thick, over-promoted... No, he's a barrister. Around. He can't be that thick. I'd like to see his, his success conviction rate. Well, I wouldn't like to be on his... his well, you can say all those things, but, I mean, the point is, is that, you know, that's, it's a bit... It's a bit if, if that's all you're hanging it on, is that, you know, he didn't know that Dover and Kelly was an important No, there's route. more. I don't like him because women fancy him, apparently, as well. And he's also got a Brazilian wife. There's and he's got a neck like, like an oak tree. He's also karate black belt, I know, so you better be careful. No, and he blocked so, me on Twitter. Right. Also, no, I hate and also, I know a guy that works with him very closely quite well yeah uh, who says he's a decent bloke yeah absolutely (laughs) I'm sure he is yeah so you know the thing but what I'm saying is overarching here is the fact that you know you can't look at the sort of so-called reasonable Tory Brexiteers and say 
look, look at the crazy ones over there. They're the ones that want it. You know, the ERG. No, look the at, crazy you know, ones Francois. control now. Well, no, they're not crazy, though. That's the point. They're, you know, <laughs> Jacob Rees-Mogg is not stupid. Whatever you yeah. may think of him, you may think he wears funny uh, suits, that he talks kind of unusually. He's not as clever as he thinks he is. I think he is as clever as mm. he thinks he is. I think. I mean, I've never seen him lose an argument. Have you? Well, that's just because people don't understand what the hell he's saying. Well, I don't think so. I mean, he certainly sliced and diced movie. James O'Brien and put him in a box, and he did the same uh, to a couple of BBC people that tried to have a go. Yeah. He's too clever for them. Well, no, he's got a good debating manner. You know, he plays his hand very well. And he well. knows what he's talking about. But nevertheless, I don't care how clever they are, they cannot solve the situation of the Irish backstop. They ca- Boris Johnson... Well, apparently they can. They can just cancel it. Well, so this is now the That's thing. That's what it's they're like, going to do. Before we even start talking to Europe, yeah. just cancel that whole idea. That's never going to happen. So if unless there is some kind of mm. Machiavellian thing going on behind the scenes, yeah. we are at an absolute roadblock. And I don't think we are, though. I mean, did no, you say, for example... Are you saying we're not because you're happy to go through with no deal? I don't really mind no deal because well, I've always do. said no. Because I've always said, why should I? I've it's always terrifying. said, well, it's not. Why, well, because there's what no else you terrified? Are you also frightened of the dark as well? Don't <laughs> 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 no, put the lights out. You know, helicopters. Why is it, no why is it terrifying? You know, the point is this, right? Um, every deal has parts of it that will be needing to be renegotiated. You know, if you leave with a deal, mm. you know, you're still going to be negotiating loads of the rest of it for about two or three years. Mike, do you know what? I hope you're right. I hope I I'm am wrong. right. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Because I'm not so unpatriotic as to sort of wish grief onto my country. No, there are some not people who actually now think, are like that. I think there the are really cra- The really crazy yeah. people are on yeah. that side of the argument yeah. now, the Remainers, who are so crazed yeah. that they want it all to well, go Well, I think... I think yeah, half right. I think there are people on the Remain side, but I also think there are people on the Leave side who are so blind to any kind of risk attached to it. They don't care. They just mm. want out. Mm. That they, they would happily preside over the ruin of Britain as long as we were yeah. in the European Union. So you've got nutters on either side. But I think most people, the vast majority of people, you know, for the sake of winning the argument, I'd, I'd sooner lose the argument and, and see Britain come through okay. But nevertheless, it is my honestly held belief that no deal will set us back significantly for over a long period mm-hmm. of time. Jacob Rees-Mogg, the clever man you've articulated, yeah. he himself says it'll take us 50 years to know whether it's worked or not. 50? 50, 5 zero. Well, I'm not going right. to lie We'll be that, dead man. by yeah. then. Well, so what do so, you care for then? Well, <laughs> well I don't want to spend the, my last 30 years in abject misery. I don't think you will. Looking for bananas well, on you, the shelves. Well, you've spent your last three years <laughs> in abject misery. You know, enjoyed running a on. very successful newspaper <laughs> off the back of it, so I wouldn't knock misery. You know, you've done all right. I would say, but the I've point been is, at it all wrong, yeah. But I, I mean, that's a typical politician's remark, isn't it? I mean, there's lots of things you don't know have been a success for 50 years until you've had them. I mean, you know, yeah. they might have said that about the Queen, you know, <laughs> or you might say it about Harry and Meghan's bloody wedding. You know, yeah. will it be a successful marriage? Well, I'll tell you in 50 years. But those things are of marginal importance compared right. to you know massive. Yeah, but look how much the world has changed. I mean, we were yeah. talking the other day about the the guy who's come across from France on a hoverboard. I mean, yeah. you know, it's bad news for the border force, isn't it? If you're going to have loads of people covered. <laughs> on hoverboards well, no, they'll, have to, so many, well. they'll have to have them as well, well you know the, well, the world could change like that though imagine yeah. I mean if somebody had said to you you're going to have a biometric passport you're going to have nobody you're ever going to yeah. have to see you're going to arrive at Heathrow or you just get a chip you're going to stick own. you're going to stick your passport picture there yeah. and you're going to walk through a gate and that's you back in the country yeah. you won't actually talk to anybody yeah. you won't be asked any questions but that's, the, that's, that's as it happens that's now, the way it, it is yeah. now so if you can yeah. imagine a backstop yeah. situation you can imagine a border in Northern Ireland 
that's not actually a border. Yes. You know, there's all sorts of things that no, they could the, find technologically right. to, to solve it. I, don't, it? I, I, I am, Look, I'm sure you're right that yeah. given enough time and enough investments, they could find a way to make that work. But there was a guy on the radio the other day, the French guy, the mm. guy who runs Calais Port. He's previously said there won't yeah, be a problem. He has, but he said, then they pulled him up and yeah. they said, but... If, if there's imports into Calais and they haven't got the right papers because no one's got the right papers, will you then just wave them through? Yeah. And he said, oh, no, they'll have to. Of course they'll have to have the right but papers. But there's 8,000 lorries a day. Man. Yeah, well, the they'll have said, to have the right papers the, then, won't the they? The guy said they'll be queuing back to Manchester. Well, is that, that's how long yeah, the queue they, would be. They, they've got queues all the way up the M20 about five times in the summer when mm. the bloody French go on strike or they decide to take August off. Like they do yeah. every year. Yeah, but it's not you something know. you'd vote for, is it? Well, it's not something I'd vote for, but it's just called life. It's what happens, you know? Well, it's not life now. I quite like life as it is without well, 8,000 I can tell you that there will, the be, there will be plenty of lorries stuck on the M20 between now and the end of the summer holidays because the French go on strike. They don't bloody work on a Monday, the French, most of them. They don't work <laughs> after five o'clock. You know, this is a country... Where did you read this? Was it by Boris Johnson in the Telegraph? No, I've been to France, actually, believe it or not. <laughs> you try going anywhere in France on a Monday... Right? Anything that is owned by the state is shut. Is that right? And that includes the Palace of Versailles, where I tried to go. That also includes Notre Dame Cathedral before it burnt down. It includes any other part of Paris Your that happens to be a museum. Your entire worldview is based on having a lousy Monday on holiday. Well, no, no, but it's based on my this own experience as opposed from. to the shit that I've listened to from people on the BBC or from other people's experiences. These are actually from my own experiences. Yes. Places that I've been, people that I've met in August... The whole of the south of France is full of people from the north of France because they all take most of August off. They if you work for the government, you don't even work at all yeah. in August. But that's, that's a fact. That, I think that's very civilised. Well, it may well be civilised, but the world doesn't come to an end. We, can't, we don't stop exporting stuff through the ports of Calais and we don't stop taking ferries to Brittany and going on holidays because most of France is shut down, do we? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, this is the tragic gamble we're in is that we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Know. You we think will you see. know, I think I know. No, I don't no think I know. I don't tell you that everything's going to be absolutely tickety-boo and perfect. No. Because life isn't like that. You can't tell me that every year of your life has been perfect, can you? Not every year. No. I mean, just the one you got married in, right? And the, year, the, the, the years that Liverpool won the European <laughs> Cup. But apart from those years, yeah. things go wrong. Yeah. Your kids get injured. Yeah. You know, you have to take them to hospital. Yeah. You know, you get fired. Shit happens, but that's, and that's life. It's true, it's true. I just never wished any of those bad things onto myself. If I could have avoided any of those bad things, I would have done. And that's where, this, I guess, is our really? fundamental difference. You see, I disagree. self-harm. Every I time I've been fired, yeah. it's actually turned out to be a good thing. No, that's, it didn't yes. feel like a good thing at the time. That's a very good point. But later, it much, was much better. That's a very good point. And, and that could be the case. And when I left the mirror in 2012, yeah. I thought it was a disaster. Right. And it turned out to be my second life. You know, it really... Look at Piers Morgan. Right. Best thing that ever happened to him, get fired by the mirror. Absolutely right. Imagine if Piers hadn't been fired, he'd still be editing that newspaper. Yeah, can you imagine? 400,000 copies a day yeah. over this. Yeah. Know, it would be an absolute disaster. Uh, He'd also be about the size of a house because he, he was getting nice. bigger and bigger and bigger the yeah. longer he stayed there. He, he's a bit cyclical with his uh, well, diet. Well, we shall see. But he's yeah. got a house in Beverly well, Hills now. He's really a lot fit of work. when he started with Larry King. Mm. I think he had a personal trainer in, yeah, yeah. in uh, Los Angeles right. and he suddenly sort of was close to a six pack. Oh. I'm not sure he ever got there. But, right. But now, you know, well, so you know, I think he's, he's still a better shape than I am, so I'm saying nothing. <laughs> anyway, we've come to the end of another, another glorious. Um, Thought Police episode. We'll have another one for you on Thursday. We will. See you See later. Ya. She ends up in some sort of high school 
I somehow managed to get myself into the room that she's lecturing to the kids, right? And they get to the point where, um, you know, uh, they're asking questions <laughs> after. <laughs> right? Just rewind this. No, no. You're, cha- you're stalking Hillary Clinton. Yes. And you smuggle yourself into a school I'm classroom. I'm into a classroom, yeah. How, how, how have you not been shot? I don't know. I don't know. I was just very good at it. And I looked quite young as well, I suppose. So I'm sitting, and they're kind of, they're sort of 17 years old. They're not like that young, you know. Um, and it may have been 18. Anyway, so I'm sitting at one of these desks with a, with a, with a you know, chair and, a, and I'm just sitting there, you know. So, so she asked if anybody's got a question, I put my hand up. Uh, <laughs> sorry, so, I was nearly sorry. Tea out there. And uh, so she goes, uh, yeah. And I said, uh, oh, excuse me, uh, Mrs. Clinton. Um, I just wondered if you could tell us what you think of what Bill said about something about that. <laughs> and, she went, and she just went, uh, you don't go to school here. I said, no, you're absolutely right. I don't. I don't go to school here. Hands up. I said, I'm a journalist. Uh, she said, well, you have to get out. This is not a different... I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll get out on the, on the, on the basis that you will speak to me. Yeah. And she agreed to speak to me. So we went. So I got chucked out. I waited outside in the corridor. And she came out. And I got about 15 minutes. That is absolutely Which was great, right? That is brilliant. Which, of course, turned into a, like two spreads in the Sunday Express. Amazing. You know, 15 minutes of chat That's with fantastic. her. fantastic. And do you know the only thing I remember? And it's going to sound very <laughs> sexist about her is that she had very fat ankles and she reminded me of my ex-wife. I sort of spent my last 30 years in abject misery. I don't think you will. Looking for bananas on the shelves. Well, you've spent your last three years in abject misery. You know, running a very successful newspaper off the back of it, so I wouldn't knock misery. You know, you've done all right. And the brother's outside going, what's he fucking doing? I'm going to fucking have him. And Mickey's going, he's the world heavyweight champion of the world, mate. You better shut the fuck up.